morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Let's stand together. We welcome you if you're joining us online today. Let's worship the Lord today together.
sisters do you feel the joy in the house of the lord today and as our praise group just said right we're supposed to praise god amen in response to the joy that is here today scripture tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy at his right hand are blessings forevermore and he will show us the pathways of life amen praise god that's god's promise unto us Every time we walk in here, we should praise God. Think about how much he loves us, how much Jesus loved us, that he willingly died on a cross so that we could have eternity with him and our precious loved ones who are awaiting us. Isn't that good news? One more time. Can we praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a verse that I passed the scripture that goes very well with that song that premise of the joy of the Lord that's in the house of God and what we should do. Psalm 150 tells us, hallelujah. Can we all say that together? Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. Yes. Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise with a blast on the trumpet. Praise by strumming soft strings. Praise him with castanets and dance. Praise him with banjos and flutes. One day maybe we'll have all that up here. Praise him with cymbals and a big bass drum. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let everything with breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters. Let's just empty our minds of whatever the world might have put in there that's troubling us. And let's just concentrate on him. Amen. Heavenly Father, dear Abba Father, oh, how we love you. We are so thankful for you, dear God. 
Thank you, Lord, for waking us up this morning, touching us with your precious finger of life. We didn't have to do it, but you love us so much. We thank you for you are the lover and the protector of our soul. Thank you, dear God, for keeping us safe this week through all that has happened around us, from dangers seen and unseen alike. You know the tragedies that are occurring all around us, Lord, but you saved us. You protected us. You gave your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. We know, God, it is you who have covered us with your feathers so that under your wings we can trust. That's your word. Thank you, dear God, for being faithful to your promises. Lord, we ask today that you would just be the biggest part of our service today. Bless everyone who is here today, those on the Internet, everyone who thought of not robbery to take the time to be here in your manifest presence where there is fullness of joy. Lord, we ask that you direct our steps throughout the week, order our steps. We want to do what pleases you. We want to live a life of faith that is in accordance with your holy word. We ask, dear God, that you impress it on our hearts to get that word into our hearts so that we will know how to live in a pleasing manner to you. Father, we ask that you bless the leaders of the church, all those who take that extraordinary step to do more than they have to do, to do the work of the kingdom. You can't stop them. It's like a fire shut up in their bones. They just want to do the work of God, the will of God. And Lord, we thank you for people like that. May we get more and more who want to be obedient to you and do God's will. Father, once again, we ask that you would just watch over our elderly, watch over our youth. Lord, especially in the schools. Father God, take care of them. Ask that you bless our babies, those who are born and those who are unborn. Protect them, O oh God. Lord, we love you. We come to you for everything, not just for our daily supply, but for our source. For every good and perfect gift, we know it's from you. We ask that you bless Pastor Roger, First Lady Carolyn, and dear Lord, just watch over our churches in Ellesmere and here. And we'll be so sure to give you all the honor and all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we all say amen and amen. God bless you. You may be saved. Hey, CTC family, I'm Lynn, and here's this week's news. At the Bear Campus, we are beginning our Angel Tree Project. This ministry shares the hope of Jesus with a child and helps deliver a personal message of love on behalf of their parent in prison. Beginning this weekend, you can stop by the Angel Tree display in the mall and pick up an angel with the name of a child. These gifts should be brought to the Bear Campus office by December 19th. The Council of Lay Elders is pleased to announce the blessing of a new church bus. This brand new 15-passenger bus is equipped to also hold four wheelchairs. It is a great blessing God provided through state and federal grants. The purpose of the bus is to transport people so they may experience God's life-changing love through our ministries at both campuses. Our Christmas show, Welcome to Bethlehem, opens this Friday night. The central message of this production is that no life or situation is too broken that God can't put the pieces back together again. The holidays are a time when many people suffer from despair. We encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center and pick up some free tickets that you can use to invite someone to come with you. Showtimes are Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 6 p.m., and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We will be live at our online campus Sunday morning at 9 a.m. 
For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.church or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.church or if you're worshiping online, you can hit the request prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. December, I think 20, 20 more days till Christmas. What's the date of it? Huh? I'm not good at math. Okay. <laughs> I think it's 20 more days because I think today's the fifth. So Christmas is almost here. Yay. So welcome everyone. And again, good morning and welcome to those online. Glad you are joining us today. So if you are new here, again, welcome. So before you leave, once again, you go out and turn to the left, you will see the Welcome Center where you will receive a free gift. Again, if you're new, and be greeted by someone from either the congregation or the pastoral staff. And for those online, you can either click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And connections. So for everyone in the sanctuary, whether you're at the table or at your seat, you will see the Connect card where we would love for you to fill out your name so we know that you're here today. And also, if you have a prayer request, you can write that down because we're always praying for you. And then the same goes for those online. You could either click the Connect Here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. So now I'm finished. Hey, great. Thanks. Thank you again. Let me offer my uh, welcome to you. I'm, I'm Pastor Roger, Christ the Cornerstone, and we're so glad to have you worshiping with us online or, or here in the, in the celebration room. And I just want to make a, a – you, you saw, saw the announcement about the – uh, the new bus that we've got, and what a blessing from God that is. We were able to acquire that through a grant that we had written for, and so we're grateful for that and for the prayers and the leadership of those who helped uh, get that for us. And like I said, it's, it's for us to be able to help transport people through our senior center ministry and through all the other ministries of our church. And I uh, hope that you'll be, if you, if you are interested or willing, one of the things that I'd like to see us do is on a regular basis, use the bus on Sunday mornings, on Saturday nights to go pick up people who wouldn't or otherwise come. You do not, uh, a CDL is not required to drive the, uh, this vehicle. And so if that's something that you are interested in, we would love, uh, so, so maybe let me ask you to do this, a couple things. One, if you're online and you think, hey, I could do that. Type the word bus, and our, our hosts online will catch that, catch your name. Hear me, uh, uh, hosts online, uh, so we can grab those names of people who might be interested in that. And if you're here in the room, take that Connect card and just write uh, uh, under your name, bus, underneath it, and uh, somebody will be in touch with you. Uh, we've got to have some orientation about how to use it. Like I said, it's got uh, a room for four wheelchairs in it, and there's some things about it, some safety things about it that you need to know about if you're willing to drive that. This is a new ministry that we can have, and it can be powerful and very meaningful to many people. The other thing about the bus is next, next Sunday, and I know we've got all this set and we're ready for our program, uh, but then next Sunday, after all that is finished, um, there's a parade, a Christmas parade in Ellesmere. And we want a few people to be on that bus to go through that parade to hand out some candy canes or something and some, some information about Christ the Cornerstone. And if you are interested in, in helping out with that, 
uh, next Sunday afternoon, we'd, I'd like you to write Parade on your uh, Connect card, and uh, somebody will be in touch with you about that. You know, we're here to, to give ourselves generously to what God has given to us, and so we're grateful for this generous gift, and we cannot allow this gift to sit idle in our parking lot. It's an opportunity for us to spread the Word of God around, and so uh, we want to practice generosity. And here's our principle for generosity uh, this week. And so let's read this together. Ready? One, two, three. We give cheerfully. And what a great, wonderful thing it is to give cheerfully. Let's read this scripture together also. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. What a great voice you said that together uh, in unison as we read that. And God does love a cheerful giver. So whether we're giving our time uh, in a parade on a bus, whether we're giving our offerings, whatever it is, let's give cheerfully. If you have an offering to give this morning, you can give it online or you can give it in the uh, envelope that's on the table or on the chair uh, where you're sitting. Place it in the baskets uh, afterwards. And if you wrote bus or uh, Parade on your Connect card. Place those in the offering baskets that are by the doors before you leave. Let's have a prayer. And I invite you to stand together as we have a prayer of thanksgiving for the blessings that God gives to us. And we'll take a moment to just kind of dedicate our bus. Some people have already prayed for it. We've anointed it with oil. And uh, we just want God to bless this time. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings that you give to us. We never know where they're going to come from. We don't know the timing of your blessings. But we're so grateful when they come. So we thank you for this gift. It's been given to us. It's also a responsibility, God, that we have. To find new ways and to use it. To not let it sit and rust. But you've given us a task. And these are tools that we have to accomplish the mission that you have for us. Help us go out, spread the good news of Jesus Christ, that others may experience your life-changing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship him as we sing.
Because there is that empty grave today, we have hope. We have hope, Lord, today because you are alive. So, Lord, when we look around at the things in our lives and we see impossible, that's nothing for you. When we watch you do a miracle, that is nothing for you. That's perfectly well within your power. So, Lord, today... We believe for it. Whatever it is, it's a financial miracle. Is it a physical healing? Is it a relationship that needs to be reconciled? Whatever it is, God, we believe for miracles today in the lives of the people of this congregation. Lord, not just as a benefit to us, but as a testimony to what you can do in human life. So, Lord, today we ask you to move with a fresh anointing brand new power not power that's new to you but power that we might never have experienced before so Lord today we pray that the wind of the Holy Spirit would move in this place would breathe upon us oh God refresh us anoint us Fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit. 
says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise him, he promised to be here with us. He promised to always be with us. But God, today, our prayer is a fresh anointing. Lord, we thank you for the grace that we had yesterday. And that carried us through yesterday. And there will be grace for tomorrow. But today we need a fresh wind. Today we need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh power of your spirit. Because Lord, I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone here today, but I know in my own life and in my own strength, sometimes I get in this groove, or you can call it a rut. And there's a fine line between a groove and a rut. I get in this groove or rut where I depend on yesterday's grace to carry me through when there is new grace for today. 
there's a new anointing for right now. You know, we still deal with, all of us are still dealing with so much. And coming into the holiday season, I read a statistic and I know this to be true, and you probably do too. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there are more suicides in this country than at any other time. And that's no accident because people are in despair. And it's just more evident, it's more magnified during the holiday season. So God, will you pray with me this morning? God, we need a fresh anointing from you. We don't want to do do this on our own. There's no reason for us to do it on our own. So Lord, today we believe for miracles. And we believe for you to send a fresh anointing. I'm going to invite April to join me on the platform this morning as we uh, prepare for Pastor to come and for our children to go and and, uh, be ministered to today. Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you have anointed us and blessed us as your children and as your people. And so we pray today for our kids' ministry. We pray for those who are ministering to our kids. And we pray, God, that you would move upon them Lord, even our, our kids, even as, as young as the nursery, that you would move upon them with a fresh anointing today. We pray for our pastor as he comes this morning to bring the message. We pray for our hearts as we hear. We pray for pastor as he delivers the message today. Be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So. That's why April didn't come up. So children, if you want to just hunker down, and of course there's nursery care, but we want the families to experience communion together. I got a little video that I want you to watch. So let's, let's quickly watch, watch this video. Trying to simulate labor. So my wife wanted me to do this to see, make sure that I knew what it was like to have a 10 pound baby. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, 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 no, no, oh, stop, stop, no, no. I think I can see the head. <laughs> I don't know what it is about young men these days. Now we have the technology to do things that we never could have done before. But just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. And that's a good example of that. Why is it that we men want to experience labor pains? Come on, let's just leave that to the women. And uh, (laughs) we'll do our own thing. Thank you, God, for the women who put up with all that kind of pressure and pain. And for the grace that you give them. Anyway, we're talking about pain this morning. And looking in our series, uh, um, what's it called? Christmas with Friends. (laughs) And... uh, the, the television show Friends always has a title that goes along with it. And the title of, of our episode today is The One When the Birth Pains Begin. I want to go back, though, to that song that we just sang a few minutes ago, We Need a Fresh Wind. And, and just to illustrate that point even further, I want everybody to take a deep breath. Take as big of a breath as you can. 
In and hold it. And how long can you hold it? Now, I'm not breathing in. I'm just breathing out, allowing the air to, to come over my vocal cords. And so I'm letting out air during this. But you know how long... Oh, I just took a breath. You know how long we can do this. How long can you do that before you need a fresh wind? God's grace is like that. Okay, breathe. <laughs> God's grace is like that. As Bill said, we can't gather up from yesterday enough grace to get us through today. We need a new breath of God's presence. And if you're not regularly taking a deep breath of the presence of God in yours and exhaling it, what do I mean by exhaling it? We've got to breathe out. I know we're in COVID and we're, we're so cautious about what comes out of us when we breathe out. But what we want is the breath of God to breathe out of us as well. We use some of His grace, but all the grace that God has given to us was not meant for us to keep for ourselves. And if we try to keep all, the God, all God's grace for ourselves, we're going to die. Because God created us to exhale and to give to others what God has given to us. And that's not the message today, but it's a little, a little freebie, I guess. Talking about Christmas with friends. I'm going to save that illustration for a sermon about the Holy Spirit or something, but I think we just needed to see that. And we're looking for God's grace in this. So as we're experiencing this Christmas season, and what Pastor Bill said about depression in this season is true, and we all read in the newspaper this week about the shooting or the stabbing in Townsend that ended up just a couple miles south of this campus right here, and the death and the accident. Because somebody was troubled during this season. And that somebody is only the tip of the iceberg. We need a fresh breath of God's grace in our lives. We can't get enough of God's grace from last year or even yesterday to sustain us through what God has for us tomorrow or even today. We need to keep breathing in and out the breath of God. So we're looking in these, this Christmas with friends, we're looking at the characters, the people, our friends around the Christmas story, trying to find, all right, God, where are you breathing your grace into us through this story? So today, last week, we talked about Joseph. We learned that he was a faithful man and we were inspired by him, his faithfulness to do what God told him to do and not to listen to what just the world was telling him. Today's episode, episode two, the one where the birth pains begin. We cannot go through life without the help of God or others in us. We need the community of other believers. And when we come to faith in Christ, none of us is alone. As soon as we say, Jesus, I trust in you, we are connected, united with a bond of love and care and power that connects me with Gwen and, and with, uh-oh, Dale. No. Alan! Gosh darn it. <laughs> as, as my father would say, that's enough to make a preacher swear. Thought I had your name. Alan. See? <clears throat> And James and whoever's watching online, by our faith in Christ, we're connected to a community 
So we're looking at this community of our friends around this Christmas story, and we see that God is always working to bring good out of evil, life out of death, restoration out of destruction, order out of chaos. So I'm asking you this morning, what in your life needs faith, hope, and courage? And how is God bringing that into your life? So we're talking about pain. Uh, I don't know if this is true about women, but I think it's true about guys. I know this is going to be a sexist thing to say. Uh, Us guys like to brag about painful experiences that we have endured, don't we? When we get together with other guys and we, we try to one-up each other, well, you went through that, this, let me tell you my story. So since I've got the platform, let me tell you my story. One of the times that I experienced some pain, this might make you squeamish a little bit, so warning. So I had just graduated from college and I had started the job working as the director of youth ministries at a Methodist church down in in Georgia. I talk about this often because it was a very impactful experience in my life. I'd only been there about three months. It was the summertime. I had taken the youth group on a retreat down by a lake. And we were staying at one of the lake houses, a little cabin on the lake uh, of one of the members of the church. And we had some free time in the afternoon, and we were swimming, and we were water skiing. And having grown up in upstate New York, we didn't, I don't like cold water, so I didn't, I didn't get in the water much. But my uh, uncles had a pond, and so we would swim in the pond sometimes on really hot days when I could stand the cooler temperature. But down in Georgia, the water is 70, 75, 78, 80 degrees, so it was very comfortable to get in. And so I'm learning how to water ski for the first time. And I'm feeling pretty comfortable. I've got that, that newbie's confidence that, you know, sometimes newbies can get overconfident in what they're doing. So here I am. I'm, I'm feeling good about skiing and I'm comfortable and I'm on both skis. And then all of a sudden the boat takes a turn because there's another boat on the lake coming towards us. And so he wants us to stay far away. But, you know, boats, they create a wake and waves. And so he, the, the boat pulling me turned. The boat coming towards us also turned, but I had to deal with the wake, the waves of of the other boat. And I was not comfortable doing that. So here come these waves, and I can see them coming right at me. And I bend my knees, but it doesn't help, and I lose my balance, and I fall straight forward into the water. Uh, Okay, here we go. And I go and I feel myself tumble under the water and I'm waiting for that moment. You know, all this is happening in an instant, waiting for that moment when my head pops back up and I can take a deep breath and I'm safe. And my head pops up out of the water and I think, oh, great. And in the set, same instant, that flash, I see this yellow thing coming right at me and it's the ski that has fallen off of my foot and just as I popped up that ski popped up and it was skimming across the water and it came and it hit me right here in my chin and that ski pierced through my lower lip it hit this tooth right here I felt an instant Whatever. <laughs> I could I, 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 I remember the water in my mouth and then the sensation of blood and the taste of blood. 
And so instinctively, I start spitting it out, and then I feel this hard thing bouncing around in my mouth. And the boat swung around to pick me up, and there are five or six teenagers and the driver of the boat swinging around, and they think that, oh, well, Roger crashed, and we're going to, yay, let's see how he's doing. And I turn around, and there's blood gushing down my chin, and I look up at the people in the boat, and I say, with this red coming down my chin, I think I lost a tooth. Because <laughs> this tooth was gone. And it was floating down to the bottom of the lake. And I'm so glad for adrenaline that God gave us our bodies the, oh, this ability that when we experience that kind of blunt force, our bodies kick in and start to reduce the pain. And I could feel, obviously, my lip is swelling up and, and I'm covering it because I see, the, I see the look of horror on all these teenagers in this boat. They're like, oh no, what happened? He's going to die. And, and, and it, they grabbed me. I got up into the boat. They took me. They, they called one of the, a member of the church was a dentist. His name was Dr. Swindle. <laughs> Great name for a dentist. But I had to trust him. I didn't have a choice. And Swindle, by the way, was spelled S-W-I-N-D-O-L-L. So not quite the same Swindle, but it's just an ironic name for a doctor, isn't it? And so Dr. Swindle took me, he met me at his doctor's office. He started shooting me up with Novocaine and, uh, to make sure that I was good and numb. And then he stitched up my lip and uh, fixed that up really good. He knew that I was uh, going to have a career speaking in front of people, so he didn't want there to be a big scar. So he, he was proud of himself for using the smallest uh, thread, whatever you call it. And uh, he made his, the finest uh, suture that he could do so that the scar would be minimal. And he was very proud of his work. And then since I was on the job, workman's comp covered the new tooth. And, and so it was, it was my introduction to workman's comp. And if you have an accident, make sure that it happens while you're on the job. And uh, because a, 20, a 23-year-old student isn't even thinking about uh, health insurance, let alone dental insurance. <laughs> and this was uh, 30 years ago, uh, just about. So I got, I got stitched up, and everything worked out fine. Now, somebody else can top that story, I'm sure, with pain. But here's my, my point is simply this. Pain is part of life. Pain not only is a part of life that we must receive and acknowledge, pain is also essential for life. And, and we have a God who created us to heal. And I'm so grateful that, for that. And we have a God who, who gave some people the ability to learn about the physical things of this world. We call them scientists. We call them doctors. And thank you for them that they understand how the tissue of a lip works. And that if we take this thread and we stitch this together, God's power is going to take over and the body will heal itself. Thank you, Jesus. And we give thanks to God for all of these things. But pain is essential for life. I want us to read about a painful experience around the birth of Jesus. And there are a number of them. But here we are, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read just the beginning when Mary experiences her birth pains. So we're going to, let's look at uh, the book of Luke, not Matthew. Luke chapter 2. 
We're going to read just verses 1 through 7. It says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because David was a descendant, or because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. It was David's ancient home. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. So I'm going to pause there and just explain to you that we don't know exactly how much time passed. We don't know at what point she was pregnant, how many months she had been pregnant when they started their journey to Jerusalem. We don't know how long it is. The stories that we tell around Christmas seem to to imply that it all happened very quickly, that she had no idea she was getting close to giving birth. And, And they didn't have the science that we have. Imagine life in those days. And pregnancy in those days. And give God thanks for our modern sciences and the things that we know and we understand. But they had no, they had no idea when that baby was come. That baby would come when the baby and mother's body were ready to give birth and not a moment before. So there's no clock. Though we in our modern sciences, we can nail it down, but there's no doctor that can precisely nail down the moment that a person is going to give birth, unless, like my wife, you have a C-section and it's scheduled. (laughs) Then you might get a little bit closer with that. Still, you don't know. You still don't know what's going to happen. So... They, we don't know, and, and let's, let's let the Bible speak for itself. We have a lot more information that comes from tradition outside of the Bible than what the Bible actually tells us about these things. The Bible doesn't say that it happened just like that. It only says that they had to, at some point during her pregnancy, they had to go to Bethlehem. And so they traveled there. And you have to imagine that when they traveled there, not only did Joseph have to go to his ancestral home, all of Joseph's ancestors had to go to their ancestral home. This is a family reunion like none other. Everybody's coming to town. <laughs> Everybody you want to see, everybody you don't want to see, is coming to town. It's busy. And when it's time for Mary to give birth, We read, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, our stories that we tell today want to give the impression that Joseph went around frantically in this town that he was known to have come from. Where his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, maybe they were leaders in this town. You don't go back to that. When you go back to your own town, people know who you are. But the stories that we tell about Christmas seem to imply that nobody knew who Joseph was. This was a stranger coming to this town, and nobody's going to show any hospitality to him. The Bible doesn't say all that kind of detail. It just says that when it came time for the baby to be born, there was no place. Now, 
Neither does this say there was a hotel or an inn. So where do we get that word inn from? Well, it comes from this word that's translated in this one, in this pair, this translation, because there was no lodging available. It doesn't necessarily mean that they were rejected from all over the place, but that's what we want to think <laughs> that it is. Uh, my, my, my simple point in this is sometimes we add things to our understanding of the Bible that really aren't in the Bible, and we need to be careful when we do that. Let's let the Bible speak for itself and, and get an understanding of the cultural context of what's going on in that. I don't think there's anything wrong in, in the necessarily in the suggestion that the, the, the family was rejected from this place or this place or this place. But that's not actually what the Bible says. It just simply says there just wasn't room for them. And this term, there is no place for them, does not speak of any kind of an inn. But in those days, what this word does refer to is simply this, a guest room. And let me describe for you um, what archaeologists have have found to be what these homes might look like. So picture a one-room house. The entire family lives in this one room for generations. And at the front part of this one-room house, there are two or three steps that go down into another room, another area, that we might think about of as a front porch. It might be enclosed, but it's only a partial space. And so you, you come in off the street or out of the, the pathway or, or the alley or wherever your house is. You come in. First, you come into that area right there. And then you take up a couple steps where you walk into one room where everybody lives. The cooking is done there. The eating is done there. The sleeping is done there. And when it's bedtime, everybody grabs a a blanket or something and they roll it out and they set it down and they lay on it. They go to sleep. Then if they've lived there for a while and they have family that want to come and visit, they're going to do something. They're going to provide a place. Hospitality is extremely important in this culture. And you want to have a place where when you have guests coming, you want to have a place for them. So you're going to build an extra room. It's going to be a place. And that's the word that's used in this Bible. We translate it in our modern translations as an inn. But that's, but that's, a, that's, a, that's a poor translation of the word. And in fact, this idea of it being an inn didn't come along until two or three hundred years after this experience. And even after the gospel was written. So somewhere along the way, the Christians had this idea that we started telling these stories about it. And it stuck because it sounded better. <laughs> but so here's this, this area down here. There's the room up here. We need, to build, we need to build a guest room. We have two choices. We can build an extra room on the back of our house. Look like this. Great big staircase. No. Or... We don't have room behind us, so let's build, a, let's build something up on top. And that was called, this is very scientifically termed, the upper room. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? And that's where Jesus went when Jesus wanted to celebrate his last supper. He said to his disciples, go find an upper room. Go find somebody who will host us in their upper room, in their guest room. 
And so at this time, when Quirinius has called for the census, everybody comes to town. Everybody's upper rooms were already full. It's not that they were rejected. It's just that it was crowded. So Mary, having given birth, she, there's no privacy. Of course, you know, that's something else about that culture in those days. They were used to not having any privacy. <laughs> so it was just natural. But... Let's get back to the architecture of the house. So there's this front entrance area. And another thing in those cultures, when it's agriculture, you had to have meat. You might have a goat. You might have a lamb. You might have some chickens. You might have a cow, an ox, whatever, a donkey. You don't want anybody to steal your livestock, whether it's one or five or however many it is. So, every night before the family settles down and you lock the door and make sure everyone's secure, you go out and outside and you lead your donkey, your ox, your horse, your goat, whatever. You lead your donkey into that front area of your house called the stable. Huh. And because it's recessed a little bit, there's a little ledge on which the rest of the family is sleeping and and living. But right here at the edge of that ledge, that's where you place the food for your animals. And you call it a manger. It's right there. And every night you bring the animals in. They're sleeping right here. And the family is sleeping right here. Dad's snoring. But you do that, especially in the desert, in the cold, arid places at night. You need the heat from your livestock to help heat your home and your family. Everybody survives together. This is what's being described very simply and very clearly in this story. And then Mary goes into labor. Everybody's there. Where is she going to put the baby? Well, here's a spot right here among the straw in the manger. She wraps them in swaddling clothes. This is just the beginning of Jesus' life. The birth pains are not the end of a life. The birth pains are the beginning of a new life, right? So pain in our lives is not the end. Pain indicates a new beginning. But what do we do with it? We have to go through the pain. Last After last week's message, Paul Seaman, one of our, our members, handed me a piece of paper that had a saying on it. And it was a saying from the coach from the University of Alabama, the Patrick Murphy, the women's softball team coach. And, and he's quoted saying, uncoachable kids become unemployable adults. Parents, he says. Make sure your children get used to someone being tough on them. Period. That's life. Get used to it. I like that saying. I don't like that saying. <laughs> but there's, a, there's powerful truth in that. There have been many times when I whine and complain, life's not fair. I don't want to go through this. It's hard. Every teacher knows 
that a student, if the student's mind does not experience the frustration and the confusion of learning, the child's not going to learn anything. We've all been through that. Somebody gives us a new task to do. I can't do that. Do it anyway. God says the same thing. But it's hard. Uh Uh-huh. Do it. I'm amazed at the acrobats. You look at Cirque du Soleil and these things that these people do with their bodies. I'm not even going to try to do that. But because they can do it, something tells me, okay, my body might be capable of doing that. I doubt it. But my body, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I'm doing other things that other people won't and can't and don't want to do. But I even to do those things, I've got to have, be disciplined. I've got to go through the frustration. I've got to work at it. Got to be persistent in it. Pain brings forth Something good. But there's a condition. We need to allow it. We can avoid the pain. You ever see the, 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 the movie Wally years ago? About when America gets, or when the world gets so full of trash and garbage that everybody uh, uh, goes and gets on ships and goes to outer space and they leave this world to, to the robots to figure out. <laughs> And up in outer space, people just get fat and happy until they realize, I'm not happy anymore. (laughs) I'm not producing anything. I'm not doing anything. God created us to work, to energize, to go through difficult things. What's painful in this story? Well, of course, the birth pains itself. But also what's painful are transitions. And it reminds me that in, in, in my own life, when, when my mother and father were living with me, uh, they both were, had, had serious illnesses. My mom suffered from cancer. And then uh, she, she got, the cancer didn't cause her death, but she got some other disease that was a, I don't know what it was. I'm not even sure the doctors figured it out. Whatever it was, caused her, to, uh, her, her nerves around her, uh, in her throat to stop working. She could no longer swallow. And just like if we can't breathe, <laughs> we're not going to live. If we can't take in food, we're not going to live long. We put in a feeding tube. There's that her last Thanksgiving to us. We joke about this because we want to. <laughs> Mom's sitting at the Thanksgiving table holding this little funnel here with a tube that goes down into her stomach because she wanted to have Thanksgiving with her family. And we're all eating the stuffing and the turkey and all this stuff saying, Mom, how's your... How's, how's your juice? <laughs> your, your, your very thick, nutritious juice that takes half an hour to drain down into this tube. Pain. The difficult thing in living with my parents through those experiences were, were the transitions. Dad had Parkinson's. And with Parkinson's, if you ever experienced that, come... Not just tremors and weakness of the muscles and the stiffness of the body, but also dementia, depression. It's a difficult disease to deal with. So mom was dad's caregiver. They were living with me together in our parsonage. And, and they, uh, mom wanted to do her best to take care of dad. But as mom's health declined, mom couldn't take care of dad the way that she wanted to take care of dad. So 
She had to rely on us to give the help that we could. But here's the, here's the difficult part. Until mom recognized that she could no longer do for dad what she used to be able to do for dad, she resisted our help. And until she got it set in her mind that she had to let us help her, she was angry, she was ornery, she was frustrated with herself, she didn't want me to help out, and it was painful for everybody in the household. There are so many days that I just wanted to say, Mom, face the reality. You can no longer do for Dad what, you need to, what Dad needs for you to do. Let us help you. And when she finally got to that acceptance of realizing what she could no longer do, then things could move forward. And we could get the care that dad needed. Well, mom died in a few months after that. My father moved in with my sister and uh, where he was cared for. And then a year and a half after mom died, dad passed away uh, in the care of my sister. Those painful experiences, those transitions were very difficult for us to go through. But we had to in order to continue to give the care and the love to my parents. And in order for us to be healthy also. We had to work through these transitions. It was painful. Adjusting plans to new circumstances. I remember uh, one of the parishioners in my last church uh, told me he, he had been a, the shop teacher at, at a, a, a local public school for his entire career and had dreams of what he and his wife would do in retirement. And they had amassed all these plans and this money and the resources to do this thing. But then when they got into retirement, cancer came. And even though they survived the cancer, the money they had set aside needed to be used for their health. And they couldn't use it on the things that they wanted, they had dreamed of doing. It's painful to adjust those kinds of dreams, but we've got to if we're going to watch God working in our lives. So here Mary and Joseph in this strange place, the time for the baby to get born. And realize this, that because nobody knows when a baby is going to be born, only God knows. So in our painful experiences, only God knows when it's going to go through and, be, and create what God wants it to create in your life. For years and years and years, when I was in a difficult, extremely difficult place in ministry, and my superintendent, my boss, told me when he appointed me to that church, he said, Roger, this is going to be a very difficult church to pastor, to lead. We don't know how this is going to turn out, but you're our guy. We're talking about this church. <laughs> It's one of those times when you, when you think, okay, this is going to be painful. I don't know what I'm going to have to do. Two years into that, I was absolutely ready to quit ministry. And I was saying to God, get me out of here. <laughs> Carolyn was praying, God, get us out of here. <laughs> the children were praying, God, get us to a nice place. God kept saying no. I stayed there another four years because God didn't change the circumstances until God changed me. There's the key. So when I finally stopped praying, God, get me out of here. And I started to pray, God, teach me how to stay. 
then I began to see God work. And the change occurred first in me and then in the people around me. It made a difference in my relationship with my wife. I was able to lead her better as a husband. It made a difference in my relationship with my children. It gave me a calmness that gave them a calmness in our household. And it absolutely made a difference in the leadership in the church that I was leading at that time. Nothing got easy. But God was with me because I was the one that was willing to change. God's plan will come in our lives when God is ready to bring it about. And we have to be the ones to say, okay, God, I'm willing to surrender and submit to your timing, to your will, to your working in my life. And I will stop demanding that you do what I say you must do. Nobody knows when a baby is going to be born. God chose not to remove me from that difficult experience. He chose to force me to grow up (laughs) and to mature. And we're all growing up, whatever age we are, whatever difficulty we face. I remember watching, being with my mother as, as she's facing the reality of her death. And she's asking me, how do you die? <laughs> I don't know, Mom. Wherever we are, God has a place for us to go to God and say, God, help me with this. I will follow you. There's a story I've I've told you before, but I want to tell it again because it fits and it's powerful. Once upon a time, there were two boys conceived in the same womb. Weeks passed and the twins developed and their awareness grew. And one twin said to the other, isn't life wonderful? What a great thing this gift of life is. And the two brothers began to explore their world. And they sang with joy, how great is our mother's love that she shares her own life with us. Weeks passed into months and the twins noticed how they were changing. What does this mean? Asked the one. It means that our stay in this world is drawing to a close, said the other. I don't want to change. I don't want to go, said the first. I want to stay here always. It's warm. It's comfortable. We have everything we need. The other said, we have no choice. And suggested maybe there is life after birth. The other one protested, how can there be? We will shred our life's cord. How is life possible without our connection to our mother? Besides, we've seen evidence that there were others here before us. They've never come back to tell us what's out there or what's after birth. Nope. It ends right here. And so the one fell into deep despair and said, If conception ends in birth, what's the purpose of life in the womb? It's meaningless. Maybe there is no mother after all. His brother said, But there has to be. However did we get here in the first place? And how are we still kept alive? Have you ever seen our mother? Questioned the first. Maybe she lives only in our minds. Maybe we made up the idea of mother just to make ourselves feel good. So the last days in the womb were filled with deep questioning and fear. And finally, the moment of birth came. Imagine the pain and the stress that a child feels during the birthing process. If the mother's out here screaming, what's the child doing? 
I don't know. Maybe that's gross. Sorry. And when the twins had passed from their world, they opened their eyes and they cried for what they saw exceeded their wildest imaginations. There's life after birth. There's life after death. There's life through pain. Let's go, let's go to a, a, a verse, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come to you, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because you know that when your faith is tested, your faith will be tested. It is an opportunity for your endurance to grow. So let it grow. A horrible three-letter word in the Bible, L-E-T, let. That means you have the opportunity to allow something to happen, or you have the opportunity to prohibit and close it down. But the urging of the Bible is to let your endurance grow. Stick with it. For when your endurance is fully developed, fully matured, fully grown, you will be perfect. And this word perfect means mature, ripe, as in an apple that becomes perfect, as in an orange becomes perfect. But they're nothing alike. You were meant to be you. You were not meant to be somebody else. So grow up to become who you are to be. But you've got to grow up to be complete and lacking nothing. This is what Jesus offers to us through our faith in Him, through our confession of our own sin, our reliance upon Him, to say, Jesus, I want to keep growing to become that man or that woman that You want me to be, created me to be. The only way I can do it is if I keep breathing in Your grace, breathing in Your life, breathing in Your Spirit. Because You are the source of life. And no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. He is the one who gives us this life. What in your life is causing pain and difficulty? Are you brave enough to ask God to redeem it? Perhaps God is seeking to change you so that you can deal with this situation in a way that shows, reveals to others God's power, His grace, His mercy, and His plan for your own life. We come to communion. And we recognize that what Jesus did in this sacrament is to give Himself to us. He suffered the pain of death on the cross so that you and I could experience the hope of everlasting life that begins here now with great joy and endurance and will last forever in unimaginable <laughs> grace and glory. Thanks be to God. So I'm inviting you this morning as we receive this sacrament one, to affirm your trust in Jesus or to place your trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, have, I have messed up my life. 
I need you. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what, what you're doing in my life. But I'm going to endure with you. And allow you to mature whatever this thing is. So that it will fulfill your purposes. Just to affirm our faith in that. And who we believe Jesus is. And then I want us to, to confess our own need for Christ by saying the Lord's Prayer together. And we've, and, and we've hopefully we'll have on the screen the Apostles' Creed and then the Lord's Prayer. Let's say these things together. We've got the Apostles' Creed. Would you say this with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pause. Dear Jesus, we come to you today having an opportunity to confess our need for you. Some of us are going through excruciating experiences. We don't know what way to turn. But we turn to you. We say, Lord Jesus, as Mary had to wait for the birth pains to begin. Lord, it hurts Jesus sometimes. Jesus, I'm tired. When will a new thing come? Jesus, I need you to breathe new life into me. Jesus, I need you to help me. Jesus, I've been denying the reality of my life. I can't pretend anymore. I need you, Jesus. Will you come? Yes. <laughs> Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Jesus, we remember that night when you were betrayed. If you're here in the room, take, take the cup. If you're online, please uh, get some juice or some bread as we receive this. We've got the... Anybody need gluten-free? We've got gluten-free right here. David? David White, can I prevail on you to kind of walk around and anybody that needs gluten-free can uh, just raise your hand and David will come and offer that to you. Jesus, we remember that night when you were betrayed, when you were in that Garden of Eden, and you said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, take it. 
but not my will be done, yours be done. You took the bread and you gave thanks. You broke the bread and said, this is my body given for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. So Jesus, we remember you in this. Let's take and eat and be thankful. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins and for the new life that begins now and lasts forever. Jesus, I need that. So give me your grace, fresh and new today. Thank you, Father. We receive this with gratitude. Let's take and drink. Father, we thank you for your peace, your love, your forgiveness that you give to us. Now, Father, help us go out into this world. As we give ourselves, we breathe your breath upon other people through our, through, through our words, through our actions, through our glances at people and the way we look at strangers even. Lord, let your mercy flow out of us. Jesus, we pray for those who are in these painful experiences now. Bring the healing in the name of Jesus. Give the, give the endurance to them. Help us bind ourselves together through your love that we can help care for one another as we walk through this. Help us teach our children to trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your love. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue to sing. The altar area or platform area is open if you want to come and pray here. People will come to the prayer stations if you'd like somebody to just offer a prayer with you. Let's sing and pray together.
midst of birth pains of our lives, in the midst of trials, in the midst of all kinds of different circumstances. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we didn't deserve it. And we never will, but you give it to us because you love us. So Lord, help us to remember that as we leave this place today. And as we go into our jobs and our schools, our homes, the neighborhoods we live in, to carry your light and your message. That chains can be broken, we can be delivered, we can be set free by the grace and the mercy of God. We thank you for that, Lord. We praise your holy name. It's in that name we pray and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. The front, the altar area is still open if you want to come and pray. Folks will be at the prayer stations if you're online. Our online host will be with you for another 15 minutes or so. God bless you. Have a great week.